Life Audio. You are listening to Hope for Women with Father Wounds, episode 21, Exchanging Father Wounds for God's Love with Karen Eman. This is part two of a two-part series, and I am your host, Kia Stevens. This podcast is for women who have experienced pain in their father-daughter relationship as a result of divorce, abandonment, abuse, incarceration, addiction, or a physically present but emotionally absent father. The aim of this podcast is to help you exchange your father wounds for the love of God the Father. If you are benefiting from this podcast and you think it might help another woman, I encourage you to share it with a friend, rate, comment, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now today I am continuing my conversation with Proverbs 31 ministry speaker and New York Times bestselling author Karen Eman. So let's go ahead and dive right in. can't remember if you said this today or if you said it via email, but I know that that series of letters that your dad uh, wrote, when he wrote it to your other family members, they weren't as receptive. Did you find yourself taking on the role of of peacemaker and wanting to everybody, everybody to just be happy and let's all sing Kumbaya? (laughs) As much as I wanted to, I really held back from doing that and more took a role of praying like over and over again that my dad and mom would reconcile and forgive each other and that my dad and my brother would reconcile because my dad and my brother they just didn't have much of a relationship at all. I let this whole coming from an abusive home and uh, all the wounds from my father I let that drive me straight into the arms of Jesus and my brother turned on his heels and ran like he wanted nothing to do with God nothing to do with my dad they had a little bit of contact when he was first married and having kids and then they had a falling out over something stupid and they they hadn't talked for almost 30 years by the time my dad passed away but I just took the role of praying and praying and praying and asking God to let me know when I should move and do something and so when those letters were written I reached out to my mom and my brother and both of them were like, well, it's a little too late, don't you think? And my my brother just said he threw his in the trash and said, oh, he's an old man that don't know nothing. And he threw it in the trash. He wanted nothing to do with him. But later on, when my father fell and went in the hospital and then was admitted to hospice when he was 87, this was about three years ago. Well, my brother came up to the hospital and the hospice and Boy, he walked in that room and my dad just started wailing and said, my son, my son, my son. And they hugged and they cried and they said, I forgive you. And a few months before my dad fell, my mom, I don't remember how it got brought up, but something about forgiving my dad. And I said, well, you know, you never did tell him that you forgave him when he sent you that letter. And she said, well, he knows it. I told him all the time I forgave him and I would take him back. I said, but he sent you that letter saying, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And you never answered. And so... She kind of just was whatever, whatever, and pushed on the back burner, but it kind of must have eaten at her (laughs) because then one day when I was with her, we were going shopping and we went back to her apartment to have a cup of coffee before I drove back home to my town. And she said, you know, maybe I should talk to your dad and tell him I forgive him. Do you mind calling him? Wow. And I was like, I have prayed for this (laughs) for decades. And so I got my dad on the phone and she said she forgave him and it was wonderful. And then when he was in hospice, she wanted to talk to him again. 
And instead of saying she forgave him, she said, will you forgive me? I wasn't perfect either. And so I sat there in the hospice room just bawling, thinking, you know, this has been decades I've been waiting for this, but everyone in my family ended up forgiving each other and making peace and all of that before he passed away. So it was many years of awfulness, but at the end, it was, it was beautiful. It was what I'd always hoped for and always prayed for. Whoa, that is quite a story. And I hope that it's an encouragement if you're out there listening, saying, I prayed about this for a month, or I prayed about this for a year, or I prayed about this for five years or 10 years or 15 years, and God hasn't done anything. And what's the point? What is the point of continuing to pray to this God if he's not going to do anything about the situation? I hope that you are encouraged um, to know how does that work? He is at work when we are praying, when we are on our knees. He's probably doing something in us and in the people. And it's going to take time for um, the manifestation of our prayers to take place. Uh, would you add anything to that, uh, Karen? Because I just imagine somebody is like, I'm, I'm tired of praying. I'm, t- I'm tired of this. Yeah, I, I know it sounds like a Sunday school answer because it's a well-worn <laughs> um, uh, saying. But, you know, that saying that God's seldom early, but he's never late. is so true. Yeah. It's so true. Like we will think, oh, it's just going to never come to pass and it's never going to happen. But he's never late. He's never late. Sometimes he's early and you don't pray about something for a short time and it happens, but he's never late. And sometimes he answers it in a way that you would never think he would answer it. So just hang in there (laughs) because not only is it important to be persistent, but it does something in you too. It grows you as a Christian and develops a new patience and, and empathy for others who are also walking through dark times and aren't getting answers. We just want it to like, we want to snap our fingers and have it be over and get the answer we want. But just like when our kids come and ask us for something, we can say yes, no, or not right now. And I actually do pretty great with the yeses. I do pretty good with the noes. It's the not right now is that kill me. But sometimes we need to just know that God's saying that right now, but someday. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. That's so good. Um, you know, the other scripture I'm thinking about, which I, I don't know the actual reference, but the one that's like, um, uh, now unto him who's able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or or imagine, because here you are praying for a reconciliation. Um, I imagine you didn't think that your mother was going to say, well, will you forgive me for this too? Or that your brother would walk into the room and, and it this big Hallmark movie type of scene. <laughs> you know, I don't think you imagine that, but how beautiful and, and what a testament it is to God, our heavenly father. He knows our needs and he will uh, answer our prayers, even if it's not in the way that we think he should answer in the time that we think he should respond. Um, so, so good. Thank you, Karen. If there was something that you could tell your younger self, what would it be? Probably to stop going to people for the things that only God can give. And I saw myself do this often when I was younger. And I see a lot of people in my life who, who are doing it now. And I still sometimes do it. You know, we, we go to our spouse for things that only God can give, you know, only God can know everything you're thinking. And I get mad sometimes my husband doesn't know what I, don't you know what I'm thinking? Like you should have known what I was thinking. You should have known I was upset and said to me, what's going on? Oh, poor baby. And you didn't notice, you know, but only God knows everything I'm thinking. 
Only God can love me unconditionally. Only God can meet all my needs. Only God can be everywhere. And so many times we go to others for things that really we should be going to God for. Karen, you're so in my quiet time because I've been, I've been meditating on Psalms 121 that says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. And I think so often in my own life, I will say my help comes from the Lord, but then I'll look to other people and say, you know, you are my help. My husband, you are my help. Or my good friends, you are my help. And God is saying, no, I am your help. And I, I love that this, this um, passage of scripture is saying, look to the hills because it forces us to look up instead of looking out to um, someone else to be our source. Uh, really for everything. I remember what that question was that I was going to ask you too. Um, and you, I don't know how you feel about this, but um, did you ever find yourself angry with God? Um, I know I did um, when I was going through this process of forgiveness and forgiving people. I had to forgive myself. I had to forgive God. Well, forgive my father, but then I also had to forgive God. Did you experience anything like that? I actually didn't, but I think it's because God wasn't really a part of my life until I was in high school and became a Christian. And the reason I became a Christian was because God was a father to the fatherless. So he was like a rescuer of me out of that situation with my dad. I didn't see him as the cause of it at all. So, yeah, no, no, that's fine. That's wonderful. And I I hope that's the case for for many who might be listening. Um, And if not, you may also have to forgive God if you if, if when I said that something kind of jolted in you like, oh, maybe I need to forgive God. Maybe you just might. Um, now, what encouragement would you offer a woman, specifically a woman with the alcoholic father? Because that's kind of um, uh, my father. My father also was alcoholic. And I haven't talked about that publicly Um I'm only talking about it now because I'm writing a book and I got his permission, his verbal and written permission to talk about it. But um, what I've discovered in in that place is that sometimes you think the person has gotten free of that addiction and and you're ready to move forward. And then maybe they they haven't. They haven't gotten as free or they haven't been as honest as you um would, would hope that they would be, what type of encouragement would you offer a woman who is in that place? She wants to forgive. She wants to reconcile, but she's afraid maybe that she might be hurt again. It doesn't have to just be alcohol, but I am specifically talking about that since we're, we're talking about it now. Right. Right. Well, I think first of all, realize it's not your fault. I remember thinking, especially early on when I was younger, maybe people don't struggle with it as much now, but that I must be doing something to cause him to drink. Like maybe this is my fault. Maybe I'm not a good kid or, you know, maybe it was too stressful raising me or whatever. It's not your fault. And secondly, I think of the phrase, love him from afar. And by that, I mean, those times I would send a little note to my dad and say, Oh, I was just thinking about you. And I'm so, I'm so glad you're my dad. And I was because through my relationship with my dad, it, it led me to Jesus because I needed, I needed help. And I heard the gospel message and I realized I was a sinner and I needed the Lord. And so my dad's behavior was actually the first domino that fell in that chain of things that 
led me to Jesus. So when I would write him a little note and say, I'm so glad you're my dad, I truly meant it. So I would send him little gifts in the mail. I would sometimes just stop by and drop off his favorite candy bar. Just say, hey, I was thinking about you when I was in the checkout today. And here's a Snicker bar. <laughs> you know, just little things like that that showed him I loved him, but was not entangling myself with him or getting into a situation where he was drunk and he could be abusive to me. I was just doing little things from afar consistently, but kind of infrequently. Like I wasn't doing it every day. But I think through that, he really saw the unconditional love that God was allowing me to have for him. And it started to change his heart. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with the King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. So you talked about knowing, coming to know God as father. What are some practical things that women can do to come to know God as their heavenly father? Because it may be foreign for some, some women. I really encourage people to either get a really great Bible concordance, which is something where you can look up a single word and it will tell you all the places that word is used in scripture or to hop on an online source such as BibleGateway.com and just start looking up verses about God that are things that we're lacking from your um, father. So maybe you didn't feel like your father was very compassionate. And when you were sick or hurt, he didn't care. You know, he was too busy drinking and he just didn't want to be bothered with your sickness or your illness or your, your hurt. But God's the father of compassion. So look up verses on compassion and on God's compassion. Look up verses on God's kindness and his care. I mean, there's so many qualities about God that are perfect and that are available to us all the time because we are his children and we can have a relationship with him through Jesus that it can help us to get over what was lacking in our father's behavior when we see what we are offered in the perfect behavior of our heavenly father. That's so good, Karen. You're, this is the series that I'm in right now in the podcast is just looking at the attributes of God, because I think we can try to look at God through the lens of our father, or we can look at God through what we heard about God or, or what we think God is. But when we begin to look at his attributes and really study those and, and find the scriptures that substantiate God, the God is a father. God is good. God is patient. God is just. God is righteous. God is compassionate. God is accessible. When we begin to do those things, then it helps us to have a frame that is is accurate. 
as opposed to flawed and and skewed based on whatever society has done to our our understanding of God or whatever our own fathers have done to our understanding of God. Oh, and I remember uh, what I was wanting to say uh, in terms of 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 looking at this. I've been I've been kind of looking at this um, for some time. This relationship between blessings. And, and sorrow or joy and sadness and um, how God has a tendency in my life, I don't know if other people can relate, to, to balance this pain with, with joy or with good things, these hard things with, with great things. And, and even in a, a book that I just read, The Hard Good with Lisa Whittle, she's talking about Romans 8 and 28, how God works all things together. So he's working together the bitter with the sweet. Um, and that's kind of what I was seeing um, as you were talking a little bit about your father, uh, even just going into the the office where he was. That's a hard thing. That is a hard thing to see your father passed out with the alcohol in one hand and a cigarette in the other. But the sweet is that I love you. Or here's a Snickers bar or, you know, whatever you do, put in, put in, that is, that is the sweet. And I think, you know, when we're able to balance that in our lives or at least be open to seeing that there is sweet, that it's not all bitter. um, God can really do a a work in our heart. Um, Do you have anything that you would add to that? Because we're kind of winding down. It just made me think of, you know, the bitter for me was, having an abusive and alcoholic father, but the sweet was that it drove me to Jesus and to this cute little country church with the big white steeple across the street from my house where I lived. And I started going to the youth group and the woman that was the pastor's wife at that church was in charge of the youth group. And she began a relationship with me and led me to Jesus and discipled me. And, you know, it's been now 40 years almost 30 some years and she's still in my life today. And that's a sweet, sweet thing because she's been my mentor for decades, but I met her because of what was going on with the bitter part with my dad. Mm-hmm. So wonderful. So wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. That's kind of reminded me of, um, of Joyce Meyer, something I heard her say, and she too had um, just a really dysfunctional relationship with her father. And she talks about, um, in the latter part of her life, her ministry, she's talked about being glad. It's going to sound kind of hard to hear that it happened because when she looks out um, and sees all the women that have been helped, uh, women and men that have been helped, that have been healed, that have been encouraged and ministered to. Um, so she, she had a different take on it, but she was able to see how God used um, what was meant to harm her and and to really render her ineffective to to be the healing bomb for other people to be set free and to be made whole and to to really be um, delivered. So I I definitely see that in your story and Karen. I cannot thank you enough for being willing to share this with us. I know I've been helped and I, I can't imagine that if you're out there listening, if you haven't been helped, I'm, I'm going to probably say you're not telling the full truth, but, 
um, Karen, I would love for you to, to share how ladies can connect with you. And then also, I'm kind of curious, are you going to maybe talk about this some more because your story is, is so powerful? Well, first of all, people can connect with me. Probably the easiest way is just at my website, KarenEman.com, and Eman is spelled E-H-M-A-N. And there I have every link they would need to like my social media. They can sign up for my monthly newsletter or check out what I do with my writing and speaking. And um, actually, I always knew that someday I would speak more about this and write about it, uh, but I I really didn't feel permission to do it until for sure my dad was gone and he, he would let me and encourage me to talk about it to people in real life that were going through it. I, you know, had a friend who was going through a tough time with uh, her husband. He was having affairs and abusing substances. And my dad knew this family and he's like, you need to go talk to him. You need to tell him my story. So my dad wasn't afraid of me telling the story to help people in my real life. And he always said, you know, I know someday that you'll write about it, but would you just wait and do it when I'm gone? But I also felt like I needed to wait until my mom was gone. And she actually just passed away a few months ago. So, but, but they all, they both would want this story to be told. So I, I haven't like pitched a book idea about it yet. I have, uh, you know, talked to you now and I have a couple other podcasts coming up that I'm going to be on that are on this topic similar, um, just difficult childhoods. But uh, someday I definitely want to share the story because I think it could be both encouraging to people, you know, for the future and helpful to them for, for now as well. Yeah, especially in 2021. I mean, we're seeing all kinds of things that were coming out about this pandemic of people that were in abusive marriages or children in abusive homes, you know, and they were unable to get free or, or just, just the plight of humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, the home is, is not the home that, that, that God intended um, for many people. And so I think stories of this and, and redemption and healing and hope are needed um, as a compass for other people as a rope for other people to reach up and grab uh, and know that God does care. Uh, He is concerned about the things that concern us. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. 
Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. You've been listening to the Hope for Women with Father Wounds podcast, episode 21, Exchanging Father Wounds for God's Love with Karen Eman, part two. I hope this episode has been an encouragement for you. And I want you to know, whether your dad is deceased, absent, divorced, unavailable, incarcerated, or you don't even know who he is, sis, there is hope for you. Hope to be healed. Hope to be secure. Hope to be free, completely free. Hope to be satisfied with the love of God. Yes, there is hope for women with father wounds. This was episode 21 of the Hope for Women with Father Wounds podcast. I am your host, Kia Stevens. If you are benefiting from this podcast and you think it might help another woman, I encourage you to share it with a friend, rate, comment, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Be sure and check out the links associated with this podcast so that you can access several free resources for you. Also, I am super, super, super excited to announce that I will be publishing my first book for women with father wounds on March 7th, 2023. So be sure and mark your calendar and subscribe to my blog at www.kiastevens.com so you won't miss any updates. Thanks so much for listening to this episode and I hope you will join me for episode 22, God the Father is Merciful. Hope for Women with Father Wounds is a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review so that more listeners can find us. You can learn more about Kia Stevens and her ministry, The Father Swap, by visiting kiastevens.com and fatherswap.com. This episode was produced by me, Kelly Givens, and edited by Stephen Sanders. A special thanks to our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey. For more Faith Toolkit podcasts, just head over to lifeaudio.com. Everyone wants to change the world. Capital Ministries is doing just that, one heart at a time by creating disciples of Jesus Christ among political leaders in the U.S. and foreign nations. For more than 25 years, founder Ralph Drawlinger has written Bible studies specifically for public servants. Study along with us and learn what the Bible says about capitalism, communism, abortion, same-sex marriage, and other contemporary issues. Subscribe and follow us at lifeaudio.com or search Capital Ministries on your favorite podcast platform.